electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Remember Y2K, the millennium, the AOL Time Warner merger, the last time the Fed raised rates 50 basis points? The economy and the country have been through a lot over the past two years and have proved resilient. Fresh off an extraordinary pandemic, a key interest rate is up half a percent as the central bank scrambles to fight historic inflation. And Wall Street cheered. Powell came forward and said, hey, 50s is what we're going to be doing, but we're not going to be doing 75s. And I think the market liked the idea that there are some guardrails. And summer travel ready for takeoff, booking CEO Glenn Fogel. Travel is coming back and we're all pleased. We all went through a hard time for two and a half years with people not being able to travel the way they wanted to. So this is something that I think everybody feels pretty good about. Plus, billionaire versus billionaire, Musk versus Gates, their feud on Twitter misinformation, Tesla and philanthropy. Elon Musk turned around and said, well, if you're short Tesla, I can't really talk to you about philanthropy or anything else because I don't believe that you could possibly actually be interested in climate change. It's Thursday. Wait a minute. Is it? It is. It's May 5th, 2022. I know what I want for breakfast. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And wow, let's check things out. We have seen quite a week uh, watching what's been happening, especially yesterday. Fed-fueled relief rally. The Dow yesterday up by almost 1,000 points. It was a gain of 932. That's about 2.8%. And by the way, it was the least best performer of all of them. The S&P was up by 3%, and the NASDAQ was up by 3.2%. It all came after those comments from Jay Powell. We're going to dig into that in just a moment. Interesting thing was the Treasury. Good afternoon. It's nice to see everyone in person for the first time in a couple of years. I'd like to take this opportunity to speak directly to the American people. Inflation is much too high, and we understand the hardship it is causing, and we're moving expeditiously to bring it back down. The Fed hiking interest rates by 50 basis points for the first time since 2000. If that sounds like a long time ago, Think about this. Gladiator was the number one movie. A first-class postage stamp cost just 33 cents, and a Big Mac was $2.39. And yes, the AOL Time Warner deal was announced that year. I look forward to your questions. Steve Leisman, CNBC. Thanks for taking uh, my question, Mr. Chairman. Here's the question that answered uh, the answer that sparked a big move in the markets yesterday. You talked about using 50 basis point rate hikes or the possibility of them in coming meetings. Uh, might there be something larger than 50? Is 75 or a percentage point possible? 75 basis point uh, in an increase is not something the committee is actively considering. And Steve Leisman, as Leismania sweeps the nation, he will actually be here uh, as we follow Fed Chairman Jay Powell's path to get inflation under control. It's just us adapting to the data and to the situation and and, uh, using our tools to deal with it. Thanks very much. 
into the close, a 3% gain for the S&P 500. What a reaction to Fed Chair Jay Powell. Andrew, we have the man who sparked the rally yesterday with this question. Lease mania. It begins right now. It's only 6.02 in the morning, but we want to get straight to him. The Fed sparked relief rally, and he may be responsible. Steve. Yeah, just doing my job there, Andrew. Thanks uh, for that. Uh, I guess my um, promotional people are writing the intros here. The Federal Reserve first, it delivers its 50 base point rate hike as expected, announced a plan to cut the balance sheet in June by an amount that eventually will reach $95 billion a month. Combination ratchets the Fed up to what is now expected to be the most aggressive tightening cycle since the 1980s, and yet the market seemed to cheer. Well, Fed chair took 75 basis points off the table and replaced it essentially with 50 basis points over the next two meetings. Powell spoke more optimistically about the possibility of a soft landing than he had in the past. I would say I think we have a good chance to, to have a soft or softish landing or outcome, if, if you will. Households and businesses are in very strong financial shape. You're looking at, um, you know, uh, excess savings on, the, on balance sheets, excess in the sense that they're substantially larger than the prior trend. Uh, businesses are in good financial shape. The labor market is, as I mentioned, very, very strong. Uh, and so it doesn't seem to be anywhere close to a downturn. So I think investors might be mistaken if they heard an all clear signal from Powell. The Fed's moving fast on rates and the balance sheet. Powell said he's going rapidly to neutral, which is this two and a quarter, two and a half percent range, and will likely have to go further above it. He said that pretty explicitly. He did take off the table the 75 basis point leap for now. He did not limit how far the Fed may have to ultimately go to get control of inflation. Andrew? Did you, I'm curious, when you were in the room and you heard the answer, was it clear to you that the market was going to take off? Or do you think that the market effectively, it sounds like you're in some ways saying that maybe the market misunderstood what was happening. No, I mean, I'm, look, I stand back and I say, that's interesting. Why did that happen? I don't second guess it. Um, I did go back this morning and looked at the tail of the tape. Let's go back to uh, April 18th. That's when Bullard said to me at the Council on Foreign Relations, we could do 75. The 1994 cycle where we raised the policy rate 300 basis points in a year. And in that cycle, uh, there was a 75 basis points uh, increase at one point. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out. Market was kind of nonplussed. It was... At 11.20 on Thursday, April 21st, that Mary Daly, the, I don't want to call the bellwether dove, if I could mix a couple metaphors right there, came forward and said, hey, we could do 25, we could do 50, we could do 75, we're going to deliberate it all. To assure the American people that we're going to get inflation back down, that we're going to aim for our target, that is something that, to my judgment, gets us to neutral by the end of the year to get on a good path for that. Then the, the tactics about is it 50, is it 25, is it 75, those are things that I'll deliberate with my colleagues, but my own starting point is we don't want to go so quickly or so abruptly that we surprise Americans and make them have to adjust quickly. That's when the market, which was at 4,500 on the S&P, went down 9.6%, uh, I think I calculated this morning, to 4,065, okay? And that remained unchecked. The idea that the Fed could be random, that it could do 75s, that the market has to be really worried about all this stuff, that really is what freaked out the market. Powell came forward and said, hey, 50s is what we're going to be doing, but we're not going to be doing 75s. And I think the market liked the idea that there are some guardrails. Powell said, we're going fast down the highway. 
Um, but we are going to obey some some uh, the, the lines on the road and we're going to be deliberate and uh, tell you what we're going to be doing. And I think that really helped the market out. Did it go too far? I don't know. That's not my job. I cover the Fed. Hey, Steve, there have been times where we've asked whether market players, if they saw that the Fed really was going to be vigilant, really vigilant, we thought that maybe some market traders would really like the Fed to indicate they're going to be more hawkish than, than what we thought. Maybe bond traders actually do press the buy signal when the Fed goes further than they thought. I don't think it'll ever happen. It's, it's the punch bowl always works for stock traders, don't they? We should always, that should be our default position. If it looks dovish, the markets, if it looks more dovish, they're never going to want to take their medicine right now. Stock traders. No? I think that's, I think that's right, Joe. I mean, look, um, this has uh, been a, uh, a historic time, a massive readjustment to what's happening. It's been very difficult for people to move from the Fed being wide open to the Fed taking away, as you say, the punch bowl. And I think Powell is right here to one extent, which is that it matters how you take the punch bowl away. Um, And I think what he did yesterday was put a kibosh on the randomness and some of the outsized talk that was was going on. He says, we're going to do this, but we're going to do this in a deliberate way. And by the way, it's worth taking a look at the market this morning. It's still priced pretty aggressively. There is no all clear signal here. It's going by, up by 100 basis points by August, 200 basis points, you know, uh, in the next couple couple months. Because it could matter. It could matter whether people like Paul Tudor Jones that was on with, with Andrew and us the, the other day. There's a whole class of people that think we sort of let it get out of out of hand and we need to get it under control sooner right. rather than right. later. So right. it's weird that you'd see a, you know, a, a, a slower move higher embrace like that. And, and it could all be reversed. Look, the, the issue is if you still look around and it makes a lot of sense from the perspective that we don't know what's going to happen with a recession right. comes in quickly. We don't know what's going to happen with higher inflation prices. We don't you know, it's just I, I, I like hearing that they right. are still paying attention to but the facts. There, there every are day. a whole group of people that think that it, it's we're just behind every the time curve. The Fed has ever said, OK, we're going to move and we're going to move this way decisively and we're not going to look at any of the facts around us. That always leads you to a bad place. I, right. I, I like the idea that they're watching to see what happens and we're going to react. We, we could see we could see, Steve, that this was a, yeah. a, a that, that uh, this ends up being just a respite from this downtrend that sure. we've been in yesterday a- and that we're behind the curve and that, that, that we need we, maybe we need 75. Powell knows he's going to neutral. He's got to at least get there. And he's told you pretty much he needs to go beyond neutral. But he doesn't at this moment have to tell you how far he's going. Joe, what you're they talking know what about, is. right? Well, they right. kind of they kind of have an idea. They got a place they want to get to. It's two and a quarter, two and a half, and then they're going to look around. Maybe they get some help from the inflation numbers, or maybe Paul Tudor Jones is right and, and Larry Summers. They have to go much further. He doesn't need to forecast that now. Doesn't need to tell you that now. You at home are free to play the Fed game and say, you know what? <laughs> the Fed's going a lot further. I don't believe I don't believe what Powell's saying, or I have a different take on what Powell's saying. And then I'm, I'm more p- pessimistic. Or you can take the other side, which is that, you know, maybe by the summer you get the supply chain stuff and more people come back to the market. You know the story about how this ends up well. Um, maybe that's the story. But Powell's saying, I'm going to go further if I need to. I just don't have to tell you now and I don't know now that I need to. 
and you, you, you think it's kibosh. On Seinfeld, you remember that it was kibosh. Do you, do you think it's a... It's, it's interesting. A, huh? It's kibosh. It, it, even if it's not officially that is way, it, it's definitely grown into how we say it. Is it brinksmanship or brinkmanship? I think the... Brinkmanship. Brinkmanship. Yeah. I think the two, two S's is too many. Yeah. What's up? Brinkmanship. 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 Not, not, not brinksmanship. Right. Sorkin, I was going to talk about... Um, Booking holdings, but we don't have time now. Did you look at that release? Strong I wonder, numbers. Strong numbers, Let's but talk they, about they, it after the break, sir. Cheese will be next. Coming up on this Cinco de Mayo Squawk Pod. It's only 7 a.m. I think we can get rolling right about now. Salt on the rim. Or Salt what? on the rim. Booking Holdings CEO on the return of a busy summer travel season and the changes he wants for consumers. I really wish the U.S. would eliminate the restriction that requires people for entering the U.S. You have to take a test a day before you get on the plane to come to the U.S. And I think that's hurting the U.S. travel industry. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Shares of Bookings Holdings are sharply higher. The travel site operator's earnings and revenue uh, beat estimates for the first quarter. It reported $27 billion in gross bookings. That's the highest number in the company's history. CEO Glenn Fogel uh, said they're preparing for a busy summer travel season. The actual numbers, some of the gains year over year are amazing. And even compared to 2019. So... Uh, is that, have you guys seen the commercials? Is that Idris Elba? Is he doing those? Have you seen those? I haven't seen that. I think that's, that's what he's doing. I'm pretty sure. Have you seen it? So you probably, you're not, you don't watch quite as much, but he's pretty smooth, old uh, Idris. Um, he's cool. See, it's something about being lit. He goes, this isn't lit unless you say literal, and that's what the name of, face, of bookings is. Literally, that's how you book your travel stuff, but yeah. So it is lit. Actually, marketing expenses is one of the things that people are, are pointing to that could, could impact to some extent the bottom line, I guess, uh, in the future for bookings. But doing a, a, an amazing uh, amount of business. You know what that market cap on that company is, you guys? Mm, it's like it 80 billion. I thought I was, I like, checked it a couple times. Is that possible? Well, I've got 80 be. billion dollars, but it's got, you know, Priceline and Kayak, Kayak and, and all those other things. You ever use it? So you must use it, Andrew. No? I'm a kayak guy. You're a kayak guy. Yeah. And what will that do? Get you, it'll, you it'll collate everything and, yeah. and give you the, the best possible uh, price? Best price, yeah. Right? 
You can see a lot of different options too for getting places does. different times. Yeah. And it's not just for whitewater rafting tours. Not That's at all. not no. It has nope. No. Nope. Could you book one of those on? Never Kaya? tried. Never tried. Could you, Andrew? Do you think something in Idaho? You could. Uh, probably not. But you'd probably have to put your credit card into the slot in the in the computer, <laughs> Joe. Right. I know, I know. I'm I'm giving you a bunch of a, a boomer material to work with, Andrew. But because uh, I'm drumming up the ageist ageism suit that I got going. But anyway, the major averages have been basically flat for the past two months. But one area of strength in the markets: travel stocks, Delta, bookings, uh, holdings. Uh, Marriott, Royal Caribbean, all up, up double digits in the past two months. And joining us now uh, is Glenn Fogel, president and CEO of Booking Holdings. Booking reporting strong first quarter results overnight, including uh, record gross bookings of $27 billion. I, Glenn, I don't want you immediately complaining that I, that doesn't show today's move, does it? I don't think that, 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 that that's not fair. Let's, let's uh, look at what's going on today because we showed it up uh, 17%. I, I just checked my math a couple of times and I was trying to figure out whether that's real. So you're smiling, you're happy, you've got a bounce in your step. Were you glad you got up this morning? What time you set the alarm for, like three? Yeah, well, thanks, Joe. And absolutely, I am happy. And I think everybody is happy. Travel is coming back and we're all pleased. We all went through a hard time for two and a half years with people not being able to travel the way they wanted to. So this is something that I think everybody feels pretty good about. You know, if if you don't follow closely, and I and I looked at it, and I was uh, I was wondering if you were a really crappy investor or something, because uh, you did have a uh, a loss in marketable securities of seven hundred million, but you invested in these companies when they were private, and you're just marking at the market every quarter. So you got DD, you've got other companies that you think long term are where you want to be, but every quarter <laughs> you have to disclose how they've moved. So that's the upside and the downside to doing that. Well, that's absolutely right, Joe. And it's interesting because rarely do people tell us about when the uh, markets of the, uh, the value of these equities have gone up. But you're absolutely right. We mark to market them. We're still in the black on these private investments, but we didn't do them to be financial speculators. These are strategic commercial agreements to help build our business and travel. China, obviously, a different way to uh, try and access customers there with DD and Metuan, huge, huge customer bases to reach out to. Uh, these are things that are going to obviously be volatile, and right now it's a little bit of a, a downturn for them, but this is for the long run. Exactly. Some of the numbers also, you know, I, I had to check a few times, a lot of like hundreds, gains of like 100% in some of your metrics. That's from last year, I guess. But even from 2019, what, what's more appropriate, do you think, to, uh, to, to measure against? I mean, both are, both are I think, pertinent. So why don't you tell us about some of that? Well, I, I do like to look back to 2019 when the world was normal and see how are we doing against that time period? Because I, I agree, sometimes you look against last year and it's just not really relevant. Uh, that's what we're looking at. And, and no matter how you look at it, though, these numbers are good. April still going strong, very pleased about it. And I think we're all excited about this summer. You know, the, the, the flip side of that is your marketing expenses, sales and marketing expenses, they were much lower uh, during the pandemic, obviously, and they're going to go back up, I would think. And, and some people are pointing to that, that that is a that's a real part of, of uh, that side of the um, of the income statement. It, you need to spend to make money and you're going to you're, you're, you're ramping that up, spending quite a bit at this point. Well, 
It's, there's no doubt that I am very uh, interested in making sure people are coming back to travel that they remember who we are. And I want to lean into this time period where people are beginning to think about their travel. I want to make sure people are thinking of us. So we definitely are going to be making sure that our name and our products and things that we do well are in front of the customer's uh, mindset. Well, money is apparently no object. You used to have, like, the, the captain of the, of the enterprise, uh, obviously, uh, Shatner, who's my idol my, still. And he could still do commercials. I think he could do anything for you at this point. He, he, I've seen him in a movie. He's playing basketball one-on-one. And I, I think he'd be – now you got Idris Elba, who, who I mentioned. He can't be cheap. Um, listen, no good, good people in this industry who are doing marketing, doing, you know, commercials to try and get people to come to a company. They, they cost a, a bit of money. That's correct. But we always want to look at our ROI. Are we getting the right return for what we're spending? And we're very pleased with what we did for the Super Bowl and what happened after that. Continue with that campaign. I think we are getting brand awareness in the U.S., which is an important strategic yeah. objective. Worked on me with, with with Idris Elba. I mean, that guy. Uh, he he get he just can't help it, uh, but get attention when he does that. I mean, I don't know if you saw The Wire or any of the things he's been in, but but that's why uh, I, I I guess I do watch a lot of TV. But uh, I certainly noticed that. Uh, I didn't think Europe was necessarily going to be such a bright spot because you know we thought there's a there's a horrific war going on not too far from from a lot of destination spots but that is not holding people back at this point Glenn? well you know it's hard to know what would it be if there had not been this and i think your words are correct uh, joe a horrific war and if there hadn't been that how much stronger would travel be hard to know uh, certainly uh, the european traveler is coming back and no doubt when that terrible war first broke out we were impacted eastern europe particularly but people are thinking, okay, I'm still going to go travel, and people are doing it. Do you think, um, in terms of your forecasts, where's COVID now, in your view? What, what do you say? What do you say about the lockdowns in China, about the different variants here? Is it, would you say it's in the rearview mirror, or is it, is it still a, a large part of your future risk factors for, for the company? No, I think it has to be everybody in everybody's risk factors. Nobody knows. It's interesting when we did uh, our call back in uh, fourth, uh, you know, in November, going over the third quarter, but it was our fourth quarter, and nobody was thinking of Omicron at all. We were all thinking, okay, things are going to come back, and then Omicron came out, and we're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? So I think we all have to consider it is a risk. But people want to travel, and people are looking at what is their personal risk. And if they feel safe to travel, they start to travel. So two things that have helped us is, one, people feeling it's safer to travel, and two, governments reducing the restrictions or eliminating restrictions. And I really wish the U.S. would eliminate the restriction that requires people for entering the U.S. You have to take a test a day before you get on the plane to come to the U.S. And I think that's hurting the U.S. travel industry. We have people in Europe, for example, who say, well, I'm not going to go to the U.S., I'm going to go somewhere else. These people could come and visit the U.S. And I really would hope the administration would look at this and say, is this really the best thing to do? Adding 10% onto your $85 billion, you're bigger than Boeing, your market cap? Well, you know, Joe, our market cap's still below where it was uh, in the past. Um, I, I know, we're still but still, bookings, holdings, it's really, uh, I mean, I, that's a, I, I think that's a credit uh, so what, what you've been able to accomplish uh, at the company, pretty amazing. And Andrew uses Kayak, uh, and apparently it's not just for trips to 
the Snake River. Uh, in well, Idaho. I think we have to. I think we have to remind Andrew that uh, kayak is part of Booking Holdings. So if he wants to use kayak, I'm okay with that. He does, I think, but not for no, whitewater no, I, rafting. I know that. That's why I said <laughs> it. Yeah, he does. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Uh, use it every day. I've been using it for. 10 years, 15 years, maybe 20 years. I, I don't what? know how long it's been around, but I, was, I felt like I was in around three years, Andrew, so I don't know whether that's true. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it, it, it has been around that long already, right? 10, 15, all right. All right, Glenn Fogel, thanks. And uh, up 17% for the year, but 10% today. So uh, that's why you're smiling. Appreciate having you on. Thank you very much. We haven't even talked about Cinco de Mayo uh, either. That I understand. I mean, on a Thursday, you don't want to waste it, do you? Uh, if a Cinco de Mayo is on a Thursday, I mean, that's a, that's a day where you almost can already be weekend. Uh, Taco Thursday? Postured for week, well, margaritas, something like that. Because Thursday, you know, you only got one more day. to. to it's, it's only 7 a.m. I think we can get rolling right about now. Salt on, <laughs> salt on the rim or Salt what? on the rim. You, you, you right. want... Uh, you like Blanco tequila, or do you like uh, Reposada? What, what, what do you? I got to be honest matter. with you. Not I like a expert. frozen margarita, so whatever you put in it doesn't matter. <laughs> what do you use that little parasol for? That doesn't really work for, for rain, right? Is that? No, but it makes you feel fun but it, in the mood. It, I'm with Becky. Yeah. Anything, anything with an umbrella in it is it's a, it's a good <laughs> idea. Me too. We'll be right back with the rest of today's stories that got us squawking. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Of track stand Joe by. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Joe Kernan. This is you. Oh, it is. <laughs> Facebook parent meta. Yeah, we're, all, we're all waiting. Joe, we're yeah, all waiting for you. I know. You. This is another one I'm an expert at. Uh, the, the, the Web 3.0. I'm just, I know everything about that. Facebook parent meta is slowing the pace of hiring. A person familiar with the company's plans tells CNBC that meta will stop or slow hiring for most mid-level and senior level roles uh, after already doing this for entry-level uh, engineers in recent weeks. The move comes as revenue growth slows and the company uh, dealing with some macro issues, including inflation concerns, global uncertainty. A Meta spokesperson uh, tells, the C- tells CNBC uh, the company regularly reevaluates its talent pipelines according to its business needs. And in light of the expense guidance given for this earnings period, uh, is slowing its growth accordingly, but adds that Facebook will continue to grow its workforce to ensure we focus uh, on long-term impact. 
Billionaire Bill Gates making some new comments about Elon Musk's $44 billion deal to take Twitter private. He spoke yesterday at Wall Street at the Wall Street Journal's CEO Summit. And Gates, um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see this, uh, was quizzed about his views on Elon Musk in large part because of some of those tweets we saw just two weeks ago now uh, where it appeared that uh, Elon Musk had screenshotted his text messages with Bill Gates uh, where Bill Gates effectively said that he was short Tesla and Elon Musk turned around and said, well, if you're short Tesla, I can't really talk to you about philanthropy or anything else because I don't believe that you could possibly actually be interested in climate change. Um, Bill Gates appeared to defend himself uh, during the interview yesterday, saying that he thought that he had done extraordinary things for climate change. He thought that Elon Musk had done extraordinary things for climate change, but that uh, the valuation effectively of Tesla um, and whether you bet against the valuation of Tesla or for the valuation of Tesla was not a sign of whether you were for climate change or not. Of course, then he was asked about what he thought of, of Twitter and what Elon Musk would do with Twitter. He effectively seemed to suggest he thought that Elon Musk would do great things with Twitter, or at least that he was quite hopeful. Um, and then there was a little tiny bit of a warning at the end where he kind of suggested that, uh, you know, if he didn't, if somehow he made it worse, that maybe then Bill Gates would speak out against that, but uh, that he, he wasn't betting on it. So, uh, no, he said never underestimate Elon. It sounds like he's trying Never to take down Elon. some of the heat back and forth between them. Of course, when you're shorting the com- company and have been for a long time, hard to do that. But uh, he made the valid point that, look, misinformation is out there. Bill Gates has gotten ta- tagged with the idea that he is tracking people with the vaccines that he's put up. There's some crazy stuff that's getting spread um, on all kinds of social media networks. So I'm, I'm sure he comes to this with some hesitation. Um, just seeing how things have gotten twisted over the last couple of years just for him personally. He probably didn't like the, I mean, the body shaming that one of those tweets that uh, Elon sent out about him probably didn't sit too well with uh, with with Bill. Either. He said, I, by the way, he said he would work with him. Yeah, yeah I think Again, he's trying so to. It wasn't yeah. well, uh, Andrew, you know, whatever's you know, happened here. I don't you know, want to say water you, under the bridge, but. Um, you, I, Bill Gates at least appears to be trying to take the high road. So, well, if we were. You know, you want to return to the grace and civility that we saw during the Trump years yep. uh, w- with Twitter, where that was yeah. so no, people no. were so nice to Republicans to and to, to the, 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 uh, the deplorables and everything. all the grace and civility that the left typically shows. Uh, you want to return to that. But uh, the CEO of, of, of Twitter shouldn't be sending out pregnant pictures of Bill Gates. That's definitely not where, what you would think is grace and civility. I, is I don't think that's gracious at no, all. No, I know. And we've got to get I back to where we were in those, those very graceful, civil <laughs> years that, that we saw. That, there was no grace. That was not grace. There wasn't either. on either side. That's what I'm saying. There wasn't on either side. And that's the pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Squawk Pod is available for free wherever you get your podcasts. Longtime listener, let us know. We're on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. You can write and review Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts. Write on the app on your phone, tap the stars to rate, or type out a quick review with your thoughts. We do love to hear from you. And that's it. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Thank 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.